Formula E racing involves cars, speed, data, and advanced technologies such as AI and machine learning. We're live in Brooklyn, New York at the site of the Formula E race. Sylvain Filippi is the general manager and chief technology officer of the Envision Virgin Racing Formula E team. And Sanjay Srivastava is the chief digital officer of Genpact. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking time and for being with us on CXO Talk. Thanks for having us. Sylvain, tell us about Formula E. Formula E is the first uh, international racing championship dedicated purely to electric cars. And the idea is to achieve two main things, develop technologies that will trickle down to make electric road cars better, um, and also to use the platform, basically Motorsport as a marketing platform, to talk about these technologies and all the things we do around it. And what is your role? I am managing director of the race team. So my primary focus, you would say, is to make sure we win races with all the stuff that comes with it. Um, so there's an engineering aspect and, uh, and so on. Um, and also, of course, responsible for marketing, commercial and, and media and making sure that uh, the world knows about it. And Sanjay, tell us about Genpact and tell us about your role. Well, Genpact is a global professional services company. We deliver digital transformation for large global clients across the world. I'm our chief digital officer, which is to say that our teams help our clients with artificial intelligence, automation, analytics and experience based approaches to transforming the business and business processes. And what's the relationship between Genpact and Formula E? Well, we're partnering very closely on helping Envision Virgin Racing with the data, the analytics, and the artificial intelligence. And it's very similar to the work we do with clients across the globe in helping them win and, uh, and get ahead in the race. To extrapolate on that, when uh, you, would, you could think that motorsport is just about developing a fast car and put a fast driver in it and win races, but actually there is so much more to it. Um, this is only the beginning of the story. What really makes the difference between winning and losing races is analyzing the data, and there is a lot of it, um, not only to get the good insights, but do it in a really timely manner. Um, formally, it's a one-day event, which is very uh, rare in motorsport, uh, which means we have very little time, literally minutes between sessions, to analyze all the data and make the correct decisions. So basically, uh, the Genpack guys are helping us to make sure we go through all that data, make the right, uh, gather the right insights, and hopefully make the right decisions. Tell us about that data. We, uh, we're helping build a foundation for data across, the, uh, across many fronts, right? So there's a set of telemetry data that comes right off the cars, and that's a streaming set of large data set that's coming through as the cars are on the road. There's also data on competitive and driver maneuvers uh, because we can track the rest of the drivers as well and then analyze that and then over time machine learn from them. Then there is data that comes from weather and satellite and traffic and, and road patterns that allow us to understand traffic and local conditions. And as you'll, as, you know, what we do is we interpolate all of that data to try and come to a prediction on, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit. And then the fourth set of data is actually the audience data, right? So you've got to, you have to have a really solid foundation for data because you're bringing in data from four different sources and it's streaming and it's large. Uh, but once you have the right foundation in place, then you actually enable yourself to be able to drive analytics and AI on top of that. And that's really what we're doing here together. And all of this, of course, is real time. It has to be real time. Right, this is, this is not, yeah. well, let's go back to the office and we'll look at this for three or four months and we'll get back to you. Yeah. No, it's not. It's, it's, it is real time. And what's, what's even more important is, you know, so you've got to get the foundation for data to really be able to even get started. Then you have to drive AI and analytics to be able to make real time uh, inputs to the decision. And then the third part of the challenge is how do you actually expose it? 
How do you drive the user interface? How do you actually get the users to experience in a way that they can actually act on it instantaneously? And that's been a really interesting part of the discussion, which is you know, getting the experience right so it's absorbable at the right second instantaneously and, and can be acted upon. And Sylvain, the user in this case is the driver. Well, it's the, uh, the drivers and the engineers mostly, actually. Uh, the driver's main job is to drive the car and, and for us to help the driver um, um, basically make the right decisions. But uh, back to Sanjay's point, I think what's really interesting here is that you can really use motorsport and what we do as a case study for how to use data because many companies have a lot of data. For sure, we have a lot of it because every, every um, um, uh, mile used on the car generates a huge amount of data. But what's interesting is that we have to learn to really structure that data really well so we can then um, uh, use it really quickly, uh, as we touched on. Um, if you have years to look at data, it's actually not so difficult. But what companies will need to do more in the future is to um, uh, use all of their data and use it really quickly, uh, ultimately up to real time. So this is what we're doing by definition, because during a race, we have less than a second to make decisions between you know, uh, uh, using attack mode or not, or overtaking or so on. So, so we have to do a lot of homework to make sure the data is really structured. And then uh, GenPact are, are helping us with the, um, the correct algorithms and all the things you need in place in the background to make sure you can make these quick decisions. Let's drill down more into the types of data, so the data sources and then the consumers of that data, and how does all of that ultimately affect the race? Mm. One of the main challenges, again, which um, uh, it could be a challenge for many companies, is the, the problem is that the data comes from very different sources in very different formats. It would be easy if it was one big spreadsheet, right? But um, you have the telemetry uh, coming live from the car, which is a particular format. Then we have uh, most of the data we get from the car, which we download when the car comes back in the garage. Um, that's hundreds of channels, all at different um, um, frequencies and so on. Then you have the radio from the drivers, from our drivers, but also the other teams. Then you have the TV feed, so video format um, coming from the broadcast. Um, and, and the list goes on, you know. Uh, there are many sensors uh, on the car that all send their own signal. So what's really difficult is that these, all these come in completely different formats. So how do you, there's not enough time to look at all these things individually and then try to make sense of it. So a lot of what we've been doing is to basically develop an infrastructure that integrates all of that data, synchronizes against time of day, really literally. So the engineers um, between sessions or even during sessions can say, I want to look at what happened at that moment and get the whole picture. Because the danger, and I guess it's the same for many companies, that if you only see part of the data, you could, uh, you could be uh, misled into taking the wrong decision, right? So if you look at one part of the data on the car, it could uh, lead you to think that this is happening. But actually, if we have all of the data, then we're like, no, actually not. This is happening because that over there was happening. Yeah. Um, and it's, it sounds obvious, but it's really difficult to do. Um, so what we've been quite good at doing and getting better every day is to structure that data to make sure that we have the whole picture really quickly. One of the things I think we've done, it might be a good way to think about this, Michael, is think about layers of a cake, right? You're building a cake and you've got layers. Clearly the first layer is actually the layer of data, which is the foundation. And we talked a little bit about all of the challenges of getting it together in the right fashion. The next layer, if you will, is the AI and the analytics layer, right? And what you're talking about here is, in the end, this is a prediction problem, right? We are going into a race and we have to predict how many laps are still remaining so we can plan the management of our energy better. So it's a, prediction, it's a prediction problem, if you will. And so we're using artificial intelligence and AI to be able to bring that out and be able to come back as soon as possible in the race with a good prediction on what's remaining so we can manage our energy better. The next layer of the cake actually is what I call bilinguals, right? And it's the ability for our teams to work together in a fashion 
that we combine the understanding of the domain, in this case racing, and all of those parameters around it with the science of AI and data analytics, right? And that bilinguality is important because at the end of the day, you know, you have to still contextualize the readings. You still have to goal-orient the machine learning. You still have to distill the analytics that come out in the context of the race itself. And that's a really, really important part. And as I said earlier, the final layer of the cake is actually the experience, because now you've got to get it back to someone who's going to act on it in an instant on that piece of advice. Mm -hmm. And how you expose that information becomes very important, so it actually becomes actionable. So we've thought about it as, a layer, as different layers of the cake, and I think that's one way to approach that, yeah. that entire... And so that, that's perfectly correct. And what is also interesting is that it's not just our data, it's also the competitors, right? At the end of the day, we are here on the track to beat all the other guys. So we need to, of course, we know what we know about our own data, but trying to predict what the other guys are going to be doing is super important and obviously difficult. So this is what we're trying to do. Once we've done all of this, we need to also somehow integrate what we think the patterns will be of the other teams. And that should hopefully provide the best outcome. So we, we, we might want to spend just a minute on sort of what actually happens in the heat of the moment, right? So we're actually, right at the start of the, uh, at the race, we have to start estimating the number of laps remaining because, as, as, you know... It's a timed race, yeah. yeah. It's a timed race, so it's yeah. not a traditional race in the sense that, you know, there's a distance that you have to cover and who gets the fastest. It's a specific amount of time that you have to race for and, and, and plus a lap, and then you have to go as far as possible or you have to be uh, first in that. And so... Key and critical to this is actually estimating how many laps are remaining at any point in the race. And the reality is if you were driving on a straight road at a given speed for a specific distance, you can actually figure all of that out. But in a race, that's not the case. I mean, situation is changing on the ground, there's weather, there's traffic, uh, there's, there's other cars actually. Mm -hmm. And then there's moves that other drivers are making in the relative uh, instance itself. And so what we have to do is we have to take all of that data and then we have to apply analytics and artificial intelligence to predict based on weather, based on track, based on the specifics of the day, based on past behavior, and based on, based on what we expect other drivers to be doing yeah. on how that race is going to turn out and then predict. Yeah, yeah, which is what's really, it's a very dynamic position, right? Because um, to go into a bit in the details, the reason why it's so important to, um, to understand the total distance and how many laps remaining is to calculate our energy management. So the races are 45 minutes plus one lap, but as Sanjay said, depending on the pace of the leader, uh, you will cover you know, either 30 laps, 35 laps, whatever, it, it depends. So um, it could vary on, for many reasons. So it's really critical for us to understand really what will be the exact total number of laps until the end because that allows us to calculate really precisely how much energy we can use per lap. These, uh, are, very, these are very complicated models, very complicated data sets. Very briefly, tell us about the user interface. How do you present this data to the various users so that they can get it and then act on it so quickly. Yeah. Well, we have a variety of dashboards, but what's also interesting, if you look at uh, in, in my garage, we, I have about 12 engineers that do that uh, during the pre-practice sessions and during the race. Each of them have a very specific roles. So we have developed dashboards for all of them individually. So you'll get the race engineers, or the, the main engineer on the radio to the drivers, who's really mostly interested in what's happening on the track, what's our delta in terms of timing versus the other cars, um, uh, what kind of strategy calls we can make and so on. Then you have a, a bunch of performance engineers, and these guys are really looking at the car data, really trying to understand how we can make this car go faster. So it's a whole set of different data. And then, in a way, some of the most important guys are the simulation and strategy engineers, also sitting in the garage. And they are the people who actually see all of the data, and they are the ones who will go on the radio to the race engineer and say, we should have used attack mode here, or we should save energy there, and all these things. And these have you know, two or three screens, a lot of 
information displayed, and that's a work in progress, right? There's always things we can do better, but uh, developing the, the, the model, understanding how we link what the other teams are doing versus where we are is the most difficult part, but um, we are already quite good, and uh, well, we have some, still some work to do always, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a never-ending job. That's right. The success of data science, AI, machine learning efforts always requires subject domain expertise, in this case, the race, together with data science and technology expertise around AI. Sometimes that's a hard collaboration. And so how do you make it work? In our case, it's actually not hard at all. And I'm a firm believer of, you know, if you want to be the absolute best in whatever field you are, you have to create these collaborations. You have to work with the absolute best experts in their field. That's the only way to, to be at the best. So in our case, it's quite simple. We uh, I have a team who are absolutely the best in the world in setting up a race car, both mechanically in terms of software, coaching the drivers, managing the energy, all the things that we are expert of. But, and I wouldn't expect Sanjay's team to know how to mechanically set up a car. It doesn't make any sense. I have a team of software engineers, but they are nowhere near as focused and, and expert in their field as Sanjay's team. So we have to work together. And the beauty, I guess we're a bit lucky in our field where software and data, in a way, even though my team and Sanjay's team do different things, they speak the same language. At the end of the day, it's software and, and data uh, and AI, and it's, you know, they use the same coding platforms and so on. Uh, and we're also even lucky that you don't even have to be at the same place. You can be at other different parts of the world. It's fine, you exchange codes and you do video conferencing and it works fine. So I guess it could be maybe a bit more difficult for an industrial company or something like that, but in our Sometimes case, it's, it's fine. I, well, I would just, I would, uh, so, so we serve many clients across the globe and if I had to just sort of look back in the work we're doing together, Silvan, and talk about what are some of the learnings that might apply more broadly. Uh, clearly getting the talent and the team composition is a really important part and this notion of bilinguality, which is you have a team that understands the data science and, and the analytics and the AI, but also a team that actually understands the specifics of the race and the conditions around that. I think that bilinguality and that composition is right, and I think we've gotten the talent piece right in this case. But I might just add to that, there's a couple of the learnings that come through as I think about it. Um, clearly, you have to enable the best teams with the right data foundation. And so I think the effort we put up front on actually getting that foundation right and getting all of the data streams in place in a way that, that was usable is really important. And, and, and as I look across the broader set of clients we serve, I think that's a, that's a learning and an opportunity that I think we can leverage a little bit more in getting that foundation right. And you know, I, look at, I look at the industrial world and the reality is 90% of the data infrastructure is gonna be replatformed in the, last, in the next four or five years, right? And so there's a real opportunity to get this right, uh, to set them up for success in the long run. And the third thing I would add to that, and this is, uh, this is actually the fun part, I mean, our guys, love to work with Sylvan's team. And one of the reasons behind that is the small little thing, but it's really important, it's about purpose. And what we are finding here, as I talk to my teams, I think what I'm finding is people are looking at this and saying, yeah, we're doing all this work, and yes, we want to win the race tomorrow, and that's part of it. But what we're really working on is actually setting up the foundation for mobility in the future, that we're going to make um, autonomous driving more safe, that we're going to make this more practical, that more people will be able to use that. And so I think one of the learnings, at least for me, has been as we work on projects, finding that purpose and then being able to get that through the teams. So this becomes a purpose-driven. I mean, in this case, we're talking about the future of sort of humanity and how we use e-transportation. And, and that's just been a really uh, interesting insight as, we've, as we work together. As we finish up, let me ask each of you for advice to business people on that collaboration, on building the right type of team. 
I think the, the advice is very straightforward. Uh, and I would say that you know, it's important to think about this in three or four steps. Um, I think getting that data foundation right is super important. And particularly in the business world, look, the reality is we serve to, there are two kinds of companies out there. There's companies whose core value proposition is data and the value that data brings in. And there are corporations that have a value proposition that is more traditional. Uh, so I think that's one. I think the second one is this bilinguality, which is getting the right composition of the teams and getting that right uh, and putting that into place. And then the third one is experience. We talked about making sure that the insights are actionable and we can do something about it. Yeah, so absolutely right. The only thing I will add is that for me, I always go back to that. I always say start from the end. What is it that you're trying to achieve? In our case, it's easy, right? Winning races and develop better technology and it's applicable across any industries. And then most companies would be amazed how much insights they can generate from their data, regardless of the business, to then achieve that goal. Um, and I, you mentioned last time, 90% of the data in the world is not used or something crazy like this. So I think our team is a good case study and a good example of how using every single bit of data we get is helping us achieve our goal. Uh, it sounds simple, but many people don't do it yet. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure. And good luck with the race. Thank you. We we'll always need a bit of luck. Like